Hey there, restaurant pros. It's David Scott Peters, and welcome to episode 79 of the Restaurant Prosperity Formula. I've been coaching restaurant owners since 2003, and the Restaurant Prosperity Formula is based on what the most successful restaurant owners I've worked with do on a daily basis to achieve their success. The basic premise of the formula centers around achieving prosperity, freedom from your restaurant, and the financial freedom you deserve. To achieve prosperity, you have to follow a very specific formula made up of leadership, systems, training, accountability, and taking action. Now, I want to tell you about our guest today. He's a repeat Matt Plapp, avid marketer, crossfitter, author, speaker, consultant, and business coach. Matt is a serial entrepreneur. Among his businesses, he is the owner of America's Best Restaurants, a restaurant marketing firm with clients nationwide. Listen in as Matt and I talk about how he learned the hard way, the nine lessons to avoid making hiring mistakes. This is a must listen for any entrepreneur, but especially restaurant owners. Let's get started. But first, a word from our sponsor. We all know managing costs is one of the most important parts of running a profitable restaurant, especially now. But between fluctuating vendor prices, waste, labor, and the never-ending list of tasks that demand your attention on a daily basis, it can be challenging for even the most experienced of us to manage costs well. That's where Margin Edge comes in. Margin Edge is a complete restaurant management software that automatically uses data from your POS and invoices to show you food and labor costs in real time. Don't wait until it's too late. Margin Edge gives you tools to make decisions in the moment, like a daily P&L, price alerts on key ingredients, and real-time plate costs, all without ever having to touch a spreadsheet. Take control of your costs, work more efficiently, and be more profitable. Go to www.marginedge.com forward slash DSP to learn more and schedule your demo today. Matt, I am so excited to have you as a guest again. Uh, you're becoming a go-to, but you and I talk all the time. And um, the reason why I brought you on today is because of a Facebook post you put out there and it, you put it everywhere. In fact, you put it in my non-member uh, Facebook group. And I think it is really profound in today's day and age, when everybody feels like they're short-staffed, they may be making bad hiring decisions because they got to have somebody. And all too often I talk about, I'd rather be short-staffed than have the wrong people on my team. But you've had a, a similar experience, however, a more recent, dare I say, inconvenient or unhappy experience with a little turnover from somebody who really goes out of his way to make sure somebody matches the company culture. You had a couple swings and misses, and I was hoping you could share that experience with people, and we'll just have a very loose back and forth on this, but I, I thought it was a great message. Can you tell people a little bit about uh, your company and the explosive growth you've had and why hiring has become, well, kind of a, a big deal for you now? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I appreciate having me on, and yeah, I love love your content, love what you're doing, love your community, and I, I'm proud to be a part of it. You know, our company, I started this company in 2008, and ironically, my whole goal when I started it was to be a mobile marketing director, an at-large marketing director for small businesses, and one of our first clients was a mom-and-pop burger joint here in Northern Kentucky, and I wanted no employees. <laughs> it was literally one of my mission statements. I'm mean, having no employees. I don't want to be in charge of people. I had 40 employees in a prior life. I was a terrible boss. Everybody I ever hired got fired. And so I said, no employees. Well, that changed. And here we are, 2023, or I don't even know the number. I guess we're about 65 people right now. And we've had very, I'll say luck. We've had very good luck. 
and hiring people. You know, the post I made that we've had two people fired and two people quit in the past 60 days. And that's the most turnover we've had combined over 15 years. And so been really fortunate to have a lot of ride or die employees, uh, people that fit our core values, that believe in our vision. But the past six months, you know, we've brought a couple people into the world and one of them was quit when I was on vacation. I was in Europe the past two weeks and no notice was on the road, supposed to be on the road this week as we record this filming. His airfare was bought, his hotel was booked. I don't know, 10 grand to train him in the month of May. And just, hey, I'm out, no notice. I got another job. They, they need me to start Sunday. I have your 10 grand in camera equipment in Dallas, Texas with me also. Uh, <laughs> just caused a headache. We fixed it. You know, I say we, my team fixed it. I didn't have to do anything with it, but it got me thinking. And I was like, my God, what? How? How does this guy, this guy's known me since 2018. He's followed me online. He's a digital marketing guy. Knew, knows our culture, came in here, sat down with me. And I remember the minute I thought, how did this happen? I'm like, man, you're an idiot, Matt. Because two of the things that in the interview I thought, like he worked for two people that I looked up to a lot in the business world, Alex Hermosi and Grant Cardone, people that have built very hardcore companies. And he had short stints there. And part of me was like, oh my God, that's pretty cool. He was in that world. Maybe he saw something, not, huh, he got there and he's gone. So it got me thinking about that mistake and then the other recent mistakes we've had in the last two, the last month. Because it was literally, I fired the one guy Memorial, the month, Friday before Memorial Day. I fired the next guy on Monday and then two people quit in the past month. And so got me thinking why, because I, I was watching something recently of a couple of CEOs. I read a lot, I watch a lot of content, I watch a lot of your content. And a couple of people I've watched recently talked about when something in your business goes wrong, look in the mirror. It's you. It, it, you can blame all you want on everybody else. You can say this guy was a flake, this guy, but there's something deeper. And I was on a, I was on this vacation. I was actually on a cruise in the middle of the ocean near Greece. And I, when I go on travel, I, I typically spend two or three hours a day just, you know, you know, I guess dumping my brain on paper. And I spent a couple hours thinking about this. And I came up with nine reasons that I, those four people were were our mistake. So in 15 years time, even with explosive growth, 65 or so employees, you've had incredible luck and, well, dare I say, you, you've got people who match your culture. You've done a good job of, of, of people understanding who you are and you're gonna kind of talk about that at the end of your nine things. But you had four mistakes, two quit, two got fired in the last 90 days, which to an entrepreneur with the success of you, the way you've hired, feels like a dagger in the heart because like you said, you looked in a mirror. I often say to people the rest, on the restaurant side of things, they go, oh, my people are idiots and this, that, the other. And, and you've been to my seminar and you know that I go, wait a second, I, I tell the whole audience, I said, wait, you selected them, you hired them, you trained them, you manage them on a daily basis. I don't believe that we hire idiots, I believe we create idiots. So that derogatory thought that it's somebody else's fault is not true, it's our fault. And in this case, you made an error in the selection process. This all, because everywhere else is, is the decisions you've made. The selection process was congruent and true to who you are, but you may have gotten yourself a little too excited. So talk about the nine different lessons you learned in this experience. 
So I've got on my screen opened up and I, I look at these. So the first one, if it looks too good to be true, it is. If you find a, what should be a $400,000 Lamborghini for 50 grand, you know, we all have that common sense, like, okay, <laughs> something wrong here. Well, there's an engine missing, no wonder. Well, we, we had a hire that we made last summer. And I remember when this guy applied, I was just, you gotta be kidding me. This guy's applying to work with us. He's gonna be one of our people. This guy is legit. Like his, his credentials dwarf what we were looking for in this job. How in the hell can we afford him? And then when he came in, he lived up to it, was just dynamic interviewed. And even then when I thought, I said, dude, we, we can't afford you. Like I, you, you check off every box we need, except for the fact I think you're a better quality than we need or that we're, we probably deserve at the point where we're at with this particular product. And I can't afford you. I can't fathom what you were making with this other company because I, I won't say where it was or what it was. It was a big deal. And he ended up, we could afford him. And like in my brain, it should have been triggered. Why can you get a $400,000 Lamborghini with regard? Like this person was making three times what they were going to make with us. And I just thought, okay, guy's down his luck. He's, he's looking for a change. He's the stress of the other place. We offer the opposite, the culture, this, that, and the other. I, I sold myself when I should have been like, okay, what's missing here? And I didn't. And like you, you hear about the thing, the beer goggles, you know, you got a man crush on somebody. I overlook stuff because I literally had a crush really quick on this guy's town. Right. And it bit me in the ass because we found out within, you know, number two on the list was don't let those beer goggles cause you to be a lazy ass because that's what it did with me. All I had to simply do was use this website we all know called Google. What? There's, there's a, what? <laughs> all I had to do was because literally if I put it in right now, the yep. shit show that is this guy's past is there on Twitter, on you name it. And he worked for a pretty large organization. I mean, a major one in the, in the media world. And I would have easily seen, oh, shit, no wonder he's available and I'll pass. But I didn't do it. And it's funny because I'm a digital marketing guy. I, I know how to use search engines pretty, pretty easily. I always make fun of my wife like... We're on the we're on Europe this past week, and I'm like, hey, look this up, and like for her to use Google is like a ten minute process, and I'm like, Christy, seriously, like done, but I didn't do it, and so I got enamored with this person's talent, got what I'll call a a man crush on this person to have, man, this could be on my team, right, and didn't do my research, and this one, trust me, dude, when I say it wasn't hard, it the it's literally like somebody saying, hey, I didn't kill the person, they're laying in front of you dead, and they got the gun in their hand, they're like, ah. The guy might have tripped and hit the gun, you know? And so those are the two of our first two that in this day and age, it's pretty simple. I tell my kids all the time. My son has, he's 19 going to college. And I'll never forget a couple years ago, he tweeted something. And I, I'm like, dude, are you thinking? Do you have a brain? Like that is your digital footprint. Delete what you just tweeted. My wife was like, stalks everything my kids do. Yeah. And I'm the disciplinarian. And he's like, my bad. I'm like, that's your digital footprint. What you put online exists forever. And this guy was a good example that I got enamored with talent, with the value of getting that, you know, $500,000 Lamborghini for 50 grand and didn't think to look under the hood and see the engine was gone and the wheels were fake and the tires were made of paper instead of rubber and just didn't Google. And I, that's one thing that's tough. 
even with that said, you know, it would go to the first lesson that you couldn't afford them in, the, in that respect and you fell in love and, and it magically worked. It's that sometimes people take a job to look for another job. They just need income now. And, and my good friend, Darren Dennington, Service with Style, who uh, you know, um, he talks often about making the offer face to face because when he gets the bad experience, when you go, oh, it's, you know, call it. $45,000 a year, but this is a $75,000 a year candidate. And they go, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Where you're like immediately retract the offer because you know that it's not enough, but they're going to, if they say yes to the job, they're working for you temporarily. You're just a stopgap until they, they get another job. So, you know, again, you talk about being enamored, that red flag of why would you accept so much less money? You know, unless it is truly, you know, you, I want to be a part of this. And I know in five years, I'm just going to make th four times what I was going to make, which may or may not have been the case in, in your case, but just wanted to throw out there. So people are starting to think, how often do you get somebody to go, wow, why would they take that? Yeah. And that's what happened here. And that's literally what in my mind I was thinking, okay, I was selling myself. Yeah. And that's one thing I found is that I, I'm excited for what we do. We all, I mean, every restaurant owner, when you get, you, you love what you do and you will sell yourself on something. That's why I, I, we run across so many clients that open up a second location when they shouldn't have because they didn't fix the first location, but they're, they sell them like it's a good space. It's right. inexpensive. They're doing the build out. Like next thing you know, in six months, you're like, oh shit. And you know, that led to three because number three on the list was, I should have listened to the people I trust because Ashley on my team, who you've met, came to me about three weeks in and she was my OG. She was my first ever hire in 2011. This is her 12th year with the company. And she came to me, she's my director of ops. She's a freaking genius. And she came to me and she said, hey, Matt, did, did you by any chance Google him? I'm like, well, yeah, maybe a little, I don't know why, what? She's like, here's what I found. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gee, oh, that, that's on the internet. And I was looking at it and then I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe there's two sides of the story. And then I started kind of like, I was a month in and I was like, I can't fire the guy. He's a good talent. We really need him. I've already made plans around him. I should have listened to her because she's like, there's no way this guy fits here. But, but our ego, and, our ego as entrepreneurs make it like, I couldn't have made a wrong decision. How I couldn't <laughs> misread this. Oh yeah. And, and like, for me, it was, it was, part of that that like okay what ashley found is bad but i know better that there's a reason for that happening and i was justifying it and then at the same time not having the guts to say okay made a mistake rip the band-aid off get the guy out of here because you know this was last august i think july august we hired him and problems started creeping up with you know within a couple i mean this guy one of his big issues not to get too deep, but one of his big issues was drunk texting. Like first couple of times I got it late at night, I'm like, what? Oh, it's a, he must have sent this wrong person. This makes no sense. And then I realized it wasn't the wrong person. And then it got angry and then it got other employees. And then nobody told each other. And three months later, there's 20 people in our company that have gotten strange ass texts from this dude. And so then we started trying to fix it, fix it, fix it. And then we eventually fired him. But, you know, we, put a trail in place, tried to give him counseling, tried to help him. But this guy apparently was just way beyond repair. Right. But I should have fired him. And like none of this, like I couldn't blame anything that happened 
uh, in the last six months that this guy did stupidly because it was my fault. I didn't interview him correctly. I didn't research him correctly. I didn't fire him when I heard all of the crap that came with him. So yeah. that's, that's one through three. Yeah, and, and and right there we could stop and go. Oh my gosh, everybody, everybody listening can relate. We've all made that hire. We've all made that decision to go. Oh, I just I got to make it work. And again, the reason why I really wanted to bring you on is, as restaurant entrepreneurs, owners are often keeping and hiring the first manager who walks in the door, keeping them when they become the biggest challenge in the world. And it could have been avoided by selecting properly, doing some of the things that you didn't do. And then we get stuck. We're like, oh, I can't get rid of them. What do I do? I don't have time. I don't want to, you know, forget about the ego side. It's just the, I got this person. And the, sometimes the phrase is the devil I know is better than the one I don't. And it really can bite you in the ass. So talk about the, the next piece of your nine things. Where, what's number yes, four? No, number four is, and I put on here piggyback with number three, you know, have other people interview the people for the job. Like one thing we're putting in place here is, you know, let's just say, for example, this exact scenario, Ashley doesn't care about this person's talent. It's not even her division, but she can look at a person, listen, come up with her own conclusion and say, hey, Matt, based on our core values, based on what we believe in, based on the people that are here right now that are ride or dies the last five, six, seven years, ain't no way in hell you hire this person. Because now she doesn't have the the beer goggles on. She doesn't have all these little things. And so I believe by, for me, having other people in the company that like, for example, if two of us or three of us interviewed this person and we're all in the same division looking to fill that void, we might make a bad decision. But if I go to the other side of the company, because we have two divisions, I go to the other side of the company, the marketing services side and say, hey, I got a person I want you to interview. Give me your thoughts. And they know that, I trust their decision. If they say this person's a shit show, that's a key element. If Ashley comes to me and next time we do this and says, there's no way, and I still hire the person, I'm going to lose faith. Right. So in our world, we're going to come up, we came up with a solution that, hey, we're going to let a round robin effect. We're going to have other people involved in this. And that's what's also funny about these things is I know this already. When we had our boat dealership, we had a guy named John Kiefer come in and do a management evaluation on our nine managers. And he also evaluated every firing, every issue we had had, because we were having a lot of turnover issues in the boat dealership. And he literally made a chart with all of our employees and found that every single person that had been fired, me or my dad hired. Nobody else. <laughs> Us. And so that became the first rule of what we call the Plaps rule was that we might find somebody that we think is a good fit, but there's going to be a three-step interview process that other people besides you interview them because all you guys do is keep hiring yourself and then you wonder why you're a headache in two months. So I should have already known this. That's what's. That's why I always say, I always tell people like in our company and friends, like people get down on mistakes. I'm like, I love mistakes. Like give me something. I, every day, yes, it's, it beats on your ego, but it, if you don't make these mistakes, you can't fix in the future. You can't understand where you were. And so like, this is a good, good thing to remember, like, this is what got me in the problem back in 2006 with our boat dealership was I just forgot it the last, whatever that is, 20 something years. And, and I think in general that that's a process in general, doesn't happen every restaurant. That's kind of the process. If you've got a good general manager and they're doing the hiring, you get to be the last, often the owners, the, the, just the blessing. Like you don't bring me a candidate unless you're already there. And it creates that, that level of, of 
mm, doesn't fit our culture. Yeah, I, I think you made a good choice. That extra safeguard or safety valve, whatever you want to want to talk about. So in your case, it's the opposite direction. But either way, it's the same process. You don't want to hire in a bubble. You don't want to get so excited. It, it's almost a completely different topic. In my group coaching call this week, one of the uh, members was talking about least least spaces. And Steve Eller on my team, you know, was a, an ex uh, real estate guy and gave me this incredible advice. And at the very end of that, I go, oh, by the way, uh, when you're in lease negotiations, you got to be willing to walk away. Don't get so enamored with the location that you're like, oh, this has never come up again. And you get bent over into a really bad lease because you just wanted it so bad. This is the same part. Don't sell yourself. Get so excited about the person because there is another person out there. Like, don't bend, contort yourself to make that person work. That's dangerous. And And here's what's kind of scary about all this also is, we're in the exact opposite position that I hear from a lot of businesses. Like the, the restaurants all say, nobody wants to work, can't hire anybody. But then I've got restaurant clients that have applications flying in. Well, in the marketing world, same thing. I go to a mastermind in Miami next week with 350 marketing companies. and There'll be 70 of us there on the final day that are the higher end ones. And everyone, literally 90% of the room will say, Matt, I can't find anybody. We get, I'd say on a bad week, 15 to 20 applications and we don't market for hiring. Wow. But people see what we're doing they want to be a part of it and so that's what hurt like what makes me smack myself even more is that i'm spoiled like i saw three applications come in today and you know i'm spoiled with people wanting to be a part of our organization so it's it's even on a, a more of a, a worse level when we make these stupid mistakes because what i've mentioned so far are pretty easily avoidable mistakes and there's people that we passed on that we shouldn't have because of the mistakes right and that, that burns you. There was somebody else who really wanted that. And I think you're going to talk about that. So give me number five. I think we're on number five. Yep. Number five is, is read deep into the work history. So we had a, a guy that had worked for, like I mentioned, Grant Cardone and Alex Ramosi. And this guy passed the test of all these skill set, the qualifications. And when I was looking, I don't, I always brag. I don't look too deep at resumes. I'm not worried if you went to college. Well, my, I guess my dumb ass should start doing that more because you know, there, there is a chance to see pattern. And I'll never forget back, we had the boat dealership. This lady comes, she applies for an accounting position we had. And I looked at her resume and I had taken a course, oddly enough, on how to find traps. I looked at this lady's resume and I looked and literally every September, or every two years in September, the prior 20 years, she switched jobs. And she's interviewing with me in like, you know, I think it was like April. And I look at it and I said, hey, uh, I got a question. When September rolls around next year, where are you going to go work? Excuse me? So look at your resume. Every two years, like clockwork, in September, you started a new place. And she was in the eye care business. She was like lens crafters places. And it was funny. Every one of them was the exact position. She's like, holy crap. I've never noticed that. And so that, to me, was a sign that, you know, this was a lady. If she took the exact same job every two years for 20 years in a row, the same month, there that's... Okay, I'm a pat. I don't want to be part of that pattern. Well, same thing here. When I looked at this guy, I was kind of like, "Oh man, this is pretty cool." He worked for Cardone. He worked for Hermosi. These guys are ballers. They saw something, but I didn't think about what they saw on the other side of it. Like, oh, well, why isn't he there? Like, how could you screw that opportunity up? Because especially Alex Hermosi, if you guys haven't seen him or heard of his stuff, the, the guy is, in my opinion, the best business mind on the internet right now. And he's legit. He's the real deal. So I should have been like, oh, 
okay. Now, part of me also, I always look for the, you know, for me, there's always positive comes out of negative. I told my team, I'm like, hey, think about it. This guy worked for Cardona Hermosi. Now, Plap, let's go, baby. We're, that means we're in good company with somebody that fails. So yeah, that was my, my number five was look deeper into the work history to find those patterns or maybe things that you should find concerning uh, versus kind of ignore. So I'm going to add to that um, for my listeners. I'm going to tell you that, especially on a management side, because management people, that's where we're getting a resume. I always advise you that you have to have your applicants actually fill out an application and sign it. Because nowhere on the resume does it attest that anything I wrote down here is true. So they could lie on the resume and you learn about it after you hire them. You can't fire them based on lying on the resume. However, if they put it on the, the application and they sign that everything is true, you have an out. It's also going to show the jobs they didn't list on the, on the resume. There may be in you know a, a period of gap that they explain away that there was actually another job and so just on a, on a side note again this is more restaurant specific especially for management i would add that one extra piece to that process i just wrote that down like we, we have people that do apply off to look and see that they do sign something that's a that's a valid point that that takes me back to the boat dealership days again i had a guy literally Remember, you know, Suge Knight is the rapper. Yeah, you've seen him. Yep. Yep. I hired a guy that looked identical. I thought it was Suge Knight when he walked in the building. I thought it was, the dude was ginormous. I thought it was him. Well, he comes in and he applies for a position working on our lot cleaning boats. And he's doing the application. He's like, hey, Mr. Plapp, which was funny because I was in my 20s at this time. And I'm like, oh, what's up, man? He's like, hey, I got to this part on the application that says, have I ever been connect convicted of a criminal offense? And I want to be truthful with you. I'm like, well, you guys, like, I just got out of prison for seven years dealing coke. I was a crack dealer. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm a suburban kid that grew up in the suburbs and a pretty privileged life. And I got a guy that looks like Suge Knight that was in prison. So I said, tell me your story. And he told me a story. And it's actually a pretty cool story how, you know, how he kind of evolved in life. And, but it was, he got to that point and said, I didn't want to put my name on this and not tell you the truth. It's like, I wasn't starting this new chapter of my life as a lie. And I'm like, damn, I can respect that. Yeah. So I, I feel you there. So number six is trust your gut. You know, I, the picture on the post was Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And you know me, like my, my vibe is a very particular vibe. And people either really dislike me on the front end and then get to like, get to like me because they see I'm sincere and I'm a genuine person or they absolutely love me because I'm so damn truthful on the front. Like you, like you to me are very similar, David, in that you don't hide. You get what you get. Yeah. There's... And and so this guy that applied that we hired uh, just had the wrong vibe. Like to me was literally was like I was like I was talking to Spicoli. He was like, "Hey, bro," and like just not who our not who our people in our building are, and that was a red flag to me and I ignored it. And I, I, when this guy, this guy this was funny. So this guy worked for us for a week, he got hired. And then we end up firing the guy on Monday that I talked about, who was the first person, the first domino to fall. Well, this guy had known that guy we hired for three days and somehow felt the need to text him our internal communications. Cause the guy we fired, we knew come, dark was going to be a, a shit show online. He was going to go on Facebook and Instagram and destroy us when he started drinking. And he did. 
to, I mean, literally predicted it. I said, guys, this is coming. And I didn't say why. I just said, pay attention to social media. This is going to happen. Please report. You see, well, he texts this guy and I found a way to figure out who texted him. Cause I kind of called poker, called the guy's bluff. Well, we fired this guy because within a couple of days, he's texting this other guy, this moron that we fired for valid reasons. And so we fired him. But when I when I did that, I told John, one of our guys, I said, dude, I, we should have never hired the guy. He didn't fit our culture. Like he was literally, I, he was the complete opposite of every single person built in this building. Yep. But because he knew how to use a camera, because he knew how to edit, because he was, there was less of a training curve for him to come on board as one of our video and editing guys it was an easier decision. I would rather have a harder decision, spend three months training the right person than having Spicoli come in here and screw things up, and he did. Because you can train the skill, you can't train culture. They're either a yep. fit or they're not. And I and I think it's the number one thing in hiring. Does that person fit your company culture? Because if not, they become a thorn in your side. They chew up 80% of your time. They're the pain in the ass employee versus, and you ignore the good ones because this one's sucking up all your time because it's creating conflict in the in, in the business or rumors or just like, why is this person get away with murder and I'm working twice as hard and yada yada. It's just bad, just bad. Yeah. And, and this one was glaring. I mean, it was so obvious. Like this guy, I remember the first time I met him, I'm like, this kid's a flake. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was apparent. And it would turn out to be completely true, but I didn't trust my gut. And no. I went with the easy route of, okay, we can put this guy on the road filming. And he actually, his skill set was there. He was a 10 out of 10 on skills. But you know what? You, you got to trust your gut and go with core values. And number seven was an interesting one because I'd never had this here. And like, it, caught me by surprise the first day like we hired this guy and the first day he's on social media just singing our prices and it's kind of like the friend that we've all had that like starts selling life insurance or starts working for a company and they're calling you day one like hey bro i want to talk about what we're doing like you don't even know what the hell you're doing there like i remember when a friend of mine started selling digital marketing like seven or eight years ago and he was the complete opposite like he could barely use a cell phone and he called me the first day and i said hey man i love you you're a buddy of mine I trust that the company you're working for is legit. I can't take you to my clients yet with what you have because you have no clue what the hell you're doing. Why don't you get some, get some, you know, get get from being green, get to where you understand exactly what you're selling, and then let's have a conversation in six months. And that exactly happened. And we had a conversation and we ended up working together. Great. Well, this guy was on Facebook like that day, like you'd have thought I was the next coming of Jesus. And I was like, oh yeah, man, this guy knows our stuff. Like, love it, man. Like, thank you. And I should have been like, okay, why is this guy so hype? Because it made me think of, we had a trainer at our gym that I owned that I'm not saying this is bad. Cause I mean, I've been married 24 years next month. What is this month? It's July yeah, next month, 24 years. And so I love my wife obviously. And we've been together 28 years, but I'm not on Facebook every five minutes saying how awesome she is and how I right. love her. And like, that's just not me. Like we had this trainer at our gym that would do that. I always thought it was weird because it was just, it, it was beyond overboard. Well, then it turns out like three months later, we find out he's got eight girlfriends. <laughs> I mean, not one, not two, like eight women that he was having intimate affairs with. And that became a shit show. One of them was one of our other trainers on the desk in the office. So that was a different story. But that made me think of that, that this guy was so in on our company so early without really even having a reason to and so I was, it was just, to me, it was like, he's the instant homer. Like, how can you be a homer that much for Matt Plapp and ABR when you started an hour ago? 
And this guy was literally, I'm talking, take the most intense person you've seen, David, and it, it's that guy times 10. Yeah. And so that, that one was there. The next one has been what we've grown our company on. And we're going to get more to this because I've got so many people that come to us that are you know, referrals by high level employees. And I've also got, we had one recently where somebody applied that one of, not one, two of our employees came to me and said, hey, by the way, this has to be private. They, each one of them didn't know they each came to me. This person that I know, and by the way, so-and-so that works here knows also applied for a job. They're going to use our name. Do not hire them. They will not be here in three months. And we didn't hire them for that exact reason. And on the other side of it is that we've got, I mean, I, I, I'd have to count, but for example, there's five people that work here right now that are very high level that Doug Smith brought in, one of our COOs that yep. they came referred from Doug. And Doug said, I put my name behind this person. They are legit. They are solid. They will bring A, B, and C. And that's something that I think we've we've got to get back to is we've got so many people in our world that work here that are a very high value, not only because what they do, but also the relationship. I mean, Max, you've met Max, my one video guy. He was yep. a, it was a referral from his dad, his dad I went to high school with. His dad referred him to our company because he said, Max, I've been following Matt for 10 years online. The guy's doing what you need to do, go work for him. You know, Logan Eikhoff is one of our sales guys here. And he, was two and a half years old when I first met him. He lived across the street. His dad went to high school with me. And so I've watched him grow up and I got to see who he was and he came on board. And so there's all those instances where I'm like, hey, look who your best people come from. And this is where, this goes back to the restaurant space. I've told clients this numerous times. If you're a shitty boss and employees are going home to their roommates, their friends, their mom, their dad, their siblings, and going, man, that place sucks. Like that was a terrible shift today. That's so-and-so this. You ain't getting any referrals for employees. That's right. But if that server goes home and is like, man, had a blast today. Avery did this. And man, we had a, we went to this and we had a fun time. And by the way, we did the $20 bill contest. and I won the 20 bucks. It was so fun. Their friends are like, man, I want to do that. I want to come home smiling. Yeah. And so that to me was a big thing that that's where I looked at our staff when I was writing these down. I, I got to number eight and I thought, what's the common thread amongst our best people? And it's because they came from having a very deep relationship with somebody in the company or myself. And that only happens, you know, I did a whole podcast on becoming an employer of choice. And it, it only it only happens when you're an employer of choice. And I on the restaurant space, I, I talk about how do you know if you're an employer of choice? Well, in restaurants, if you asked an employee that was serving your table at a restaurant or at cashier taking your order, hey, you like working here? They freaking tell the truth. They'll be like, oh, I hate this freaking place. I'm only here until blah. Like you're serving your table and they're telling you how freaking bad the place is. That's in your restaurant to your guests in earshot. Like they will share. And then, you know, if they're doing that, imagine, like you said, they're going to all their friends. This place sucks. I'm only here until blah, blah, blah. They're just bitching and moaning. And that shit spreads. And all of a sudden, the marketplace, you're a bad place to work. You got bad leadership. You got bad managers. It's just shitty to be. Vice versa. How do you like working here? Oh, 
my lord, I love these people. I had a tooth problem. I didn't have money for it. They fixed my tooth. Like they, they care about us. Da 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 da. And then they become protective. They will tell everybody how wonderful it is, but they'll only recommend the people that aren't going to make them look bad, who aren't going to make their life worse, who are only going to match what the culture you've created in your business. And I think that's a really important lesson. Um, so if you're, you know, chasing that squirrel further, if you're not getting a lot of referrals, we probably have a culture issue. We probably are not an employer of choice. And, and the sad reality is, you know, employer of choice has is competitive pay and proper supervision and good training. It is uh, opportunity for advancement. It is understanding the and buying into the why what your company does. It's a bunch of other things. That's a six month to a year journey. You know what's interesting about our discussion is you don't have a culture problem. You made a hiring mistake because you didn't technically match your culture. Right. You're right. I, I didn't I didn't live up to our standard. And I'll say this. The one thing we've done a good job of creating a culture here, like I I had something come up recently where we had and this isn't to pat myself on the back. This is just making the right decision. We had an employee recently that was due a review, an annual review, and we do an annual raise. And it was like seven months late. And it was because I don't have my shit together on doing reviews and we now got a better process with that. Yeah. But also they were scared to come forward and go, hey, I been here a year and seven months. I was supposed to have a review at year. And so when we finally had this, I'm like, in the meeting, I'm like, holy crap, like this should have happened in January. And she's like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, hey, I understand. This is my mistake. This is your raise. And by the way, your next check's going to have this raise the last 26 weeks. She's yeah. like, what? I'm like, this is my mistake. Like we did the math. I'm like, 26 weeks ago, whatever the number, you should have had your raise, right? Yeah. Okay. You're getting a check for that plus 26 weeks of this. And this girl was blown away. And after they left, the manager looked at me and said, dude, I've never seen that. And I'm like, well, I was, as I'm sitting there, it was the first time I ever had it happen. I'm thinking if I'm that person, I'm thinking, shit, I would have had $100 more a week <laughs> six months ago. Right. So what's the right thing to do? And that's the stuff like you talk about being the employer of choice. I've seen things happen in the restaurant space that I'm like, seriously, dude, that's how you treat people? Like, how would you feel? And that's a big thing. And then that goes to the last thing. And this is something that Avery and I actually did a podcast on a few weeks ago. I actually published it today. And those who don't and, know, Avery Ward is uh, went through my program, discovered me through you, and is now a member mentor for me. So this this dude is rock star status. Like he is kicking ass, just an FYI. So go. So him and I talked about this because for the first year that I knew Avery as a client, he listened to about 25% of what we talked about. And we, in our defense, we weren't hardcore enough on a few things we should have been. And so one thing that's happened with me, with my company, is I get a lot of people that are impressed. Like we're doubling and tripling in size every three to four months. Crazy. I mean, we are growing very, very high and we've done it somewhat efficiently. And people always ask me, how? How are you growing like that? I'm like, it's pretty simple, it's marketing. It's every single day I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, I am on TikTok, I am on LinkedIn, I am on YouTube, I am on Twitter, I am on email, I am on I am everywhere yep. telling our story. But it's not how great we are at marketing restaurants. It's tips, it's tricks, it's failures. Today I did a, I do a Thursday podcast with my dad called Fire with Dad where we just talk about stupid crap. And he loves it. And I have so many clients that come to me and go, "Hey, 
I can really relate to that because I wish I had my relationship with my dad still. He's passed away. And so yeah. it's a part of me that's genuine. It's nothing about restaurant marketing, but people watch it. And so Avery and I were talking about this because Avery's first year of working with us, if you go back and looked at his Facebook, every day was pizza, pizza, Mountain Dew, pizza, you know, his meatballs. Like it was all this stuff about the restaurant. I said, you've got to make social media social. Yep. And if you make social media social and you put your brand outward versus advertising, people will be attracted to your brand and the people that are attracted to your brand are the people you want to hire. Well, if you look at Avery's social media, since I'd say it was right around when he started launching the new store, because I'll never forget, he he put up a picture and he I said, dude, I want you to write like five paragraphs on that picture. Yep. That is really cool stuff. And it was about his family and the change of the old location of new. And he did it and he's like, man, that worked really well. And then he kept doing it and he kept doing it. And that genuine exposure of you and your brand on social media attracts people who want to be a part of it. And so I 100%, I always talk about, you know, Grant Cardone says money follows attention. And if you get enough attention for your brand, it's going to, the money's going to follow. Well, in this case, if you put your brand out there and don't just talk about pizza, highlight your employees, highlight what you're doing in the community, highlight your personality. Like I say some stupid shit on social media. Guess what? It's who I am. Yep. I'm not a genius. I'm a sales guy. And so that attracts people. And so that's been one of the big things too. We had a guy that started Thursday, started this past Monday, came to us a month and a half ago, uh, way overqualified for what he's doing here. But we had just hired a creative director from the History Channel, a huge hire for us. It'd be huge. I can't wait for you to meet him. And this guy would have been a good fit for that position, but not, we had already hired this other guy. And I said, man, you're a talent. Like I, I'm going to keep you in the role at X. And he's like, Matt, I want to let you know one thing. Put me wherever the hell you want to put me. I want to be a part of what you're, I've been watching. I know what you're doing. I know what you're about. I know what the company's about. I know where you're going to be in 24 months. Put me anywhere because I'll work here. And when the position or the opportunity comes up to get into my lane within your company, maybe I already found a different lane or maybe I go there. And a good example, one of our success coaches, Chad Riggler, Chad applied for a job last July, him and a lady named Brooke applied for a success coach position. We hired Brooke. She had been in the restaurant business, working marketing for like seven restaurants. Chad Hatton, they both had equal skills on social media. Brooke had the restaurant, he didn't. So if I'm going to align, actually Brooke is Avery's success coach. If I'm going to align, bring somebody in, I'm going to bring the person that's got that experience. She passed everything and she's killing it. But Chad really impressed me. And I said, dude, let me ask you a question. Like, I don't have this position. You're not ready for that position yet. What if you be, what if you were my assistant? I got two ideas. Would you be my assistant for the next couple months? And maybe if something comes along, he's like, let's do it. And he literally was my assistant for two months. He called, experimented with calling for birthdays, with calling restaurant catering clients for us, with a couple restaurant clients. And he did whatever I asked him to do. And then he eventually learned exactly what it needed to be a success coach. Now he's one of our top people, but he, he came here for a job with our company and our brand, not the specific job. And I think that was the biggest thing when I look at a lot of our key employees is they weren't here to like, and you, like you said, be a manager, be a waiter. They, they were there to be a part of the journey. And I think that's, that's the, the best part of the, the nine lessons is we talk about, we, you went through all the challenges and the mistakes you made, but you finished it with the, the overarching question. Well, in all these years, 
How is it that this was the worst night, you know, 60 days that you've ever had when it's only four people, when a lot of restaurant people are going, shit, I go through four people in a day, you know, and, and it goes back to what the advice you gave Avery. Uh, in fact, uh, those of you who listen to my podcast on a regular basis, uh, several episodes ago now, I don't know how many Avery and I did, you know, a podcast on this hiring process from group interviewing, but it all started with that post and a series of posts of telling the story telling the story, telling the story, talking about the new restaurant, talking about how excited the future looks like, da-da-da. And then like post number 10 was, oh, by the way, if you're if you're looking to join a team like ours, we'd love for you to come interview. And son of a bitch, those applications came flooding in because people bought into the story, the direction, you know, where he was going, the core values of the company, all the things and went, I want to be a part of that. And that's kind of what you've done with America's Best Restaurants. You're talking about the people who say, I'm willing to jump on board. I'll do, take anything. I'll take the trash out because I want to be a part of this, which is very different than the first guy The Hey, I got all this experience and well, you know, I, I can make it work. You know, yeah. wasn't knocking on the door to go, I'll do anything. It was, yeah, I could take that money. Yeah, I could do that. And uh, you, the opposite was there, the people are working out for you, chased you versus you kind of chased this other guy. And I, I think that was one of the things I didn't mention in there, but when I talked to my team internally, is that we've got to be farther ahead of the game and, and not looking to hire that person now, but looking, okay, is this a good fit? I was at a pizza place four or five months ago in our neighborhood. And I saw this guy was getting ready to pay the bill. And I saw this guy come in and like, wasn't an app, like it was the like 1980s application for a job. And I, it was kind of comical. And of course, my smart ass says something to the lady. I knew she's the owner. I knew it. He's like, oh, well, doesn't matter. We'll hire anybody. You go, excuse me? She goes, oh, Matt, we hire anybody. And the guy will show up tomorrow. If he shows up tomorrow, he's hired. I'm like, I'm thinking in my head like, okay, that's, that's good philosophy. Good, good luck with that one. That <laughs> might serve your short-term purpose, but long-term you're screwed. And that wasn't the case with us, but I put our team in a situation where we felt the crunch to make a couple of decisions yep. quicker than we normally did. And so you've got to be willing to have longer term relationships and conversations and not jump on people. Like the guy that started this past Monday, he was a conversation a month ago that I just kind of let sit out there and build a relationship and find out. And I, I would much rather hire him to you know, this week than a month ago because I saw kind of how things, you know, like they say, you take a, you take a Wagyu steak off the grill. You don't eat it instantly. You let it sit there for seven or eight minutes and let it do its thing. Well, our, our friend, Darren Denton, who we talked about earlier, he always talks about in his speeches that he hires slow and fires fast. Like you just, you got to make sure you got the right person. You get, you just got to make sure it happens. And again, for many restaurants, you know, they're being short staffed has got us making bad decisions like that pizzeria. I'll just, if they show up, I'll fricking bring them in. But how many times have we hired someone on that quick notice, man, they, I, I need somebody come on in, put an apron on, or in your case, sit in front of a desk. And the fact of the matter is within three to six months, we go, oh shit, I did it again. I hired somebody I'm going to have to fire because, oh my gosh, now it doesn't happen for you that often. That's why we have this damn conversation going, but to restaurant people do it over and over and over again. And I always have a phrase that's easier to say than it is to live by. I'd rather be short staffed than have the wrong people on my team because it is so important. I can remove tables. I can reduce my menu. I can do things to operate 
I can even close a couple of days if I have to. And COVID gave us permission to do that and it's become now a part of, well, I don't have enough people. I can't be open on a Monday. That's not unusual. But you want to take care of the people you have, be an employer of choice, develop that story, get them involved and wanting to be a part of who you are and where you're going. And I, I think that's the special part of, of why I love what you do. And, and I want to shift gears a little bit Tell people a little bit about what America's Best Restaurant does because I guess you and I have known each other two years now. I think it's maybe even longer, almost three. And, And I think you've evolved tremendously in what you offer and what you started out doing just that point. I mean, you were already years in to what you've become now. Share with people what America's Best Restaurant is. When I look at you and I say marketing, what does that mean? What do you, what are you, who are you? So our... Our core philosophy is we want to help restaurants, independent restaurants, find more frequent customers. Uh, you know, I've got a term I like to say is that you know, infrequent customers don't pay your damn bills. Like I just got back from Europe. Some of these tourist cities, infrequent customers do pay the bills in Venice because that's the only thing they have. But if you're an independent restaurant in the suburbs of Florence, Kentucky, you better have a very good following, a loyal customer base that comes back over and over, spends more money consistently, buys whatever upsells you put out there or you're not going to survive, or at least you're not going to get to the promised land. Right. Because what I've seen, and I've heard you talk about this, but what I've seen too, I'll never forget the CEO of a a franchise. We worked with a franchise group a while back at a hundred other restaurants. They said, Matt, all I need you to do is, is help these franchises get 500 to a thousand dollars more a week in sales, because most of them are at this break. Even if they get a thousand more a week in sales, that's, you know, incremental profit. They actually can finally pay themselves what they need to. And so I realize a lot of customers are just that close, a lot of these restaurants. And it's, to me, it's the inability to cultivate enough frequent customers. And so within our company, there's two divisions. One of the divisions is what I created called the America's Best Restaurants Roadshow, where like next year we will film at 2,000 restaurants and we will help tell the story of that restaurant's journey on social media so that they can excite their customer base and give them something different. Kind of like you know, the TV food shows you see, these are social media shows. Uh, the other side of our company is that we help restaurants create the ultimate marketing plan. It's our company, 2008, 2015, it was Matt Plapp. Ashley came on board in 2012, or no, 2011. And then we had that team, me and her and a couple part-timers for a long time. Back then, I was the marketing director, let's say like Avery. I would have been Avery's marketing director and we ran all his marketing and there was no gap. We were really, really, really good at it. I'm fortunate that I'm a very good salesperson, but also very good at selling what my clients need sold. And I, oddly enough, learned how to do digital stuff, which I'm not a tech person, but I know enough to be dangerous. And I learned it way before anybody else. So up until 2015, Every client we had had a full marketing plan in place that I had my hand on. I got the bright idea when we did a promotion with this brand, Hopper House. We came up with a really cool way to give away 2,500 growlers at their restaurant, collect customer data, and then see the digital sales, the sales that came through digital trackable promotions from that free growler. And I'm like, oh, great idea. Let's pull that one little thing out of the marketing plan and go nationwide with it. So we did. So 2016, 17, 18, 19, I scaled up our company to be not a local company, but nationwide working with restaurants, doing that acquisition tool. You mentioned Steve Eller earlier. Steve was a client of that part of our company. 
one of the things I found as a problem was when I looked, let's say a year or two into that, it was the end of 2019, a lot in 2020. I'm like, why are some of our clients doing really well and some sucking and some doing average? Well, it was because I took a product like, you know, fitness, like you can eat well, you got to eat well, sleep well, work out hard, manage your stress, go to the gym, have intensity. There's all these factors. You can't just, you know, go to the gym. Right. Because if you go to the gym and still eat like shit, it doesn't matter. Right. Well, I found that what I had created was kind of a monster, a one-legged barstool that I plucked out what worked awesome for Hofper House and plugged it into a lot of marketing plans that sucked. So the last two years, we've been recreate, re, like what we would call that word, I guess, reimagining the experience of our company yep. is that we want to help restaurants create the ultimate marketing plan. I know that there are eight things that your mark, your restaurant needs to do to dominate your marketing. It's, yeah, is this acquisition program we have awesome? Yes. But if it's surrounded by a terrible website, a terrible social media presence, an, in, an adequate in-store marketing experience, an owner that's not active in the community, if there's no video marketing involved in your, there's so many things that have to happen. Yep. And so what we've kind of reimagined our company the last two years is that now the marketing side of our company is that there's three levels. And the goal of that, all three of those is to help you based on the size of your company, create the ultimate marketing plan. How can we get you in your customer's phones every day? Because I always like to say, if you're at a stoplight and you're honking at the person in front of you, what are they on? Their phone. You can't get the order placed quick enough in the restaurant. They're on their phone. I heard a guy the other day goes, Matt, the thing that pisses me off the most is when I look out and see this great food that we just worked our ass off sitting there for five minutes because they're working on the angle of the Instagram picture. <laughs> Eat your food. And <laughs> you, know, you know, Gary V said it the, the most articulate way I heard recently. He said, Matt, or he's not Matt, he said, it's like he was talking to me. He said, nobody's confused in 2023 where your customer's attention is. It's on a phone. Yeah. And so when you ask that, I guess the, the short answer to that long-winded explanation there is that we help restaurants create a, a marketing plan that's going to dominate their customers' attention on that device because that's where you've got to be in 2023, 24, and beyond. Yeah. If somebody wanted to learn more about your services, and I'm going to say, um, you know, I put my name on you. We, I've had you on a guest here. I have you speak at my seminar. Uh, we're doing a lot of things together now. I just, I buy into your core values. I buy into what you're doing. I've seen the explosive growth and more importantly, like you said, the reimagination of your company, how you've really said, I've got a good thing to becoming a great thing for restaurants. How would they contact you? Because there's not a lot of marketing people that I put my name on. You are one. So how would they learn more about what you do? Yeah, the easiest way, honestly, I don't deal much in the one-to-one -one conversations, but it's when something like you, I will. And so the easiest way, honestly, it sounds weird, but my cell phone number, shoot me a text, 859-743-2408. That's my personal cell. I'll respond. I'll get you with one of my team. They'll set up a conversation. I'll get involved in the conversation and we'll see what you need, because the one thing we screwed up on three years ago, especially like 2019 to 21, we we thought everybody should work with us. And you would get on a call and we would sell you what we wanted to say. I'm good at selling shit. And I realized that we were, a lot of these people shouldn't be buying what we were selling. Yeah, like, You're not the right fit for us. You're, you're not a good operator. You're not a good person. You don't have the stomach to spend the money that you need to spend in order to do it, like I was joking this morning, today's ad spend for our company that David is running is $2,250 today. Matt Platt, that's today. Matt Platt five years ago would have vomited 
if I spent two grand a month on our marketing with regards to what we do, but we've grown right. and I've become more tolerant of risk. That's a big element is when we have these conversations, I tell my team, the first conversation needs to be 100% about them. Who are they? What are they doing? Why are they doing it? What are they looking to accomplish? Nothing about us because it doesn't matter. Right. And the second conversation is based on what we learned and based on what we found out on our own of giving them a diagnosis like, hey, here's what I see. Is this accurate? And do you think this, this, and this would help you get to where you want to go? Well, yeah, it would. Cool. Okay, let's have a third conversation and let's look at the options, the one of three journeys that we think should your path should take. And that was one thing we changed also. Our team, yes, we have commission salespeople. That's how they make a living. They get paid the exact commission now on no matter what program our customers buy. Because I saw where, oh, why would I sell the $10,000 program when I could sell the 30? So we right. changed our structure to where our people that are marketing, you know, marketing experts, Shaheen, who's on my team, who was with me at your event, yep. uh, is 40 year restaurant owner, was a client of mine for seven years, retired from the business, came on board as a consultant with us, and he gets paid whether somebody signs up with package A or package C. And package A is 10 and package C is 30. He gets paid the exact way for the reason that I want an honest assessment and an honest opinion given, even if it means saying, hey, you don't need us. Or, yeah. hey, you need package A versus package C for these reasons. So the easiest way, honestly, is text me, 859-743-2408. You can go to americasbestrestaurants.com, look at a bunch of you know crap on there, or you can just you know go right to the, what do they say, go right to the, the horse's mouth. Well, the, the crazy part is that's how Avery communicated with you. He got your cell phone number, and I think a late night text you like, can you look at my website? And you're like, all of a sudden, the conversation started, and I think he dropped his jaw like, holy shit, this dude is actually texting me back. So um, I think you're nuts to give your cell phone out, especially on the internet the way we were just talking now, but that's who you are, and that's that's what people got to understand. You are genuinely, genuinely interested in helping people, and what I love about it is you and I come from the, the same school of thought. We're not right for everybody. We like to think we are, but we're not, and you're willing and your team are willing to tell somebody it's not a right fit, but if it is, you know, get ready, get ready and, and decide that this is now the time to up your marketing. I'm ops, I don't do sales. But the truth of the matter is people say to me, you know, what comes first? Do I work on my marketing plan or work on my operations? The answer is yes. Like you can't wait, there's no chicken egg. It is yes. And so both all the systems that I teach that journey to have managers and have a life and make more money and all those things translate and are possible because because your operation is better, makes your marketing that much better because now it's effective. When they come in, they get the greatest experience. You don't just waste money, drive people in and you suck and they tell 9,000 people on the internet, you drive people in and you're good. And better yet, if I can get that frequency up, you know, I, I think about it this way, and I'm sure you and I have talked about it in the past and in, in, in you teaching me more, more marketing stuff. If you get a customer to come back just one more time a month, the customers you already have, that alone will explode your sales. Forget about the new person. Just getting that, that customer that hasn't come in to come back, to get the people come in, come in one more time. Well, all of a sudden, that, that world of your customer base just exploded your sales. You got to have a good operation. You got to have good marketing. It all goes hand in hand. Matt, is there it's, anything else you want to share with people before before we finish? No, I just, whatever the hell David Scott Peters says, listen to it. Because I can tell you, if you saw the other side of my screen, there's a bookshelf there. And I met you, David, in 2000. 
2020, the summer of 2020, I hired Gabe Myers as an intern who was a college kid and said, hey, I want you to find every podcast, every book, every person on the internet that is restaurant oriented that I can create a conversation with because I want to tell their story to our audience and I want to get to know them. And I went through a lot of people and I can say DSP is number one. There's 128 books on that shelf last I counted. And there's a handful that should be on the shelf. The rest of them, it's like, eh, I mean, I wrote three books. That doesn't, that doesn't mean shit. <laughs> and I would say to your audience that if you haven't signed up to work with Davis Scott Peters, I, I think you're absolutely insane. If you're not listening to every word he's doing, reading every word he puts on paper, and then sharing it with your team to get buy-in from them, then, then you're crazy. Because you are, my friend, the best I've ever seen. And I appreciate you having me on here and letting me, you know, talk about my woes and the dumbass hiring situation that Matt was in. Well, I, you're too kind and I appreciate you coming on. The moment I saw the post, I think it took me 24 hours to go, hey, let's do this because I think everybody can learn. We're all, a restaurant owner's an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. People are people and these are, these are, I just thought you put it in such a succinct way to get everybody to think about how they're hiring. Uh, extremely good stuff. I appreciate you. And I hope everybody gives you a call to learn more about how you can be the ultimate marketing plan for their restaurants. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about controlling your labor costs and ask me questions directly, be sure to join me live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific time on YouTube, travel scheduled permitting, where I'll get you pumped about the upcoming weekend, get you excited about crushing your goals and finding the motivation to be the best you possible. Plus, I'll answer your burning questions live. Hey, that was an awesome episode. I wanna thank you for taking the time to take action on building a better, more prosperous restaurant. Before you go, I wanna give you these three thoughts. One, by combining leadership and taking action with systems and training being checked by accountability, you are on your way to creating prosperity for you and your restaurant. Two, I have something I need from you. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. By leaving us a review, other restaurant pros seeking out this information are able to find it. I read the reviews and hearing how this information has benefited you does wonders for me. And three, if you find any of the discussions helpful, share them. The more restaurant pros who have access to them, the better we become as an industry. For more restaurant resources or to get in contact with me, connect with me at davidscottpeters.com. Be passionate about what you're doing. Be persistent, but more importantly, become better and help everyone around you become better. And your restaurant is going to kick some ass.